Hello and welcome to Opening the Gates to More Listings for Estate Agents with me, Simon Gates. I'm delighted to be joined today by Mr. Toby Martin. Toby, thank you very much for joining me. Absolute honour, Simon. Thank you for asking me. Long time listener, first time caller. Um, <laughs> I want to I wanna confess straight from the outset that externally I'm saying to you it's an absolute honour to be speaking to you. Internally, I'm already thinking... You've had some really kind of heavyweight guests on this podcast. What am I doing here? Like the the <laughs> the you know the um, imposter syndrome is already singing loudly in my ears. So I hope that I can um, live up to your expectations. I'm sure you will, and I think that ties in nicely with what we were discussing before I hit record. Into how when I first started this podcast, I wanted it to be slightly different to to other podcasts where like we said um i know from uh and we will touch on it but you had a short stint as an english teacher uh then you very short (laughs) then you've gone into the into the the world of property but um it's it's interesting what you say on the the uh imposter syndrome because just before we hit record right and i said to you this is probably episode 90 uh when it gets released i think at the start of every podcast, I say the same boring lines, which is hello and welcome to Open the Gates. Da, 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 da. There's no like intro music or anything like that. Thumb beats perfect and all that jazz. And genuinely, for a split second then, before I hit record, I, I kind of went, shit. I, just remember what you say, Simon. But yeah. I just did it in my head. So that kind of imposter syndrome, like genuinely, I for a split second was like, hang on a minute. Just remember what you say. I very nearly just forgot the name for imposter syndrome. That was, I, I was talking about it and then my mind went black. I couldn't remember what it was called. That That is the extent of, you know, we're on like a, a, a heightened level of imposter syndrome when you can't even remember the name of imposter syndrome. But um, yeah, it, I, I know that we're all touched by it, uh, but it, it's, um, I'm, I'm sure that even, you know, the people right at the very top of our industry uh, are affected by it. And it's something that I know you've discussed on a lot of your podcasts and it's not a, uh, a new subject in the slightest bit. I have a slightly um, different take on imposter syndrome. I've no idea if you meant to go down this route, but I can explain it to it if you'd like, um, which is that yeah, I completely accept and I, I acknowledge that for some imposter syndrome is crippling and you know, a daily battle just to get past it uh, as with any form of anxiety. Um, but I, th- I feel that my relationship with imposter syndrome is quite healthy in that um, I I think that it can be used for good. And I think that the moment you wake up without imposter syndrome, you've entirely retreated into your safe space and you're not living outside of your comfort zone any longer. And so I'd be a little bit worried if I didn't have an element of imposter syndrome. Uh, I think you almost need it to sort of channel that energy into you know, pushing yourself and and trying new things and getting outside of your comfort zone. So um, I don't see it as an entirely negative thing at all. Uh, you definitely got me thinking there. Um, and it's that classic line of the better things in life happen outside your comfort zone, isn't it? I definitely had imposter syndrome leaving a very comfortable, secure estate agency job to go into home search. I felt a massive imposter syndrome because no no one knew who I was and I was essentially to be blunt cold calling a state agent saying are you interested in this prop tech piece of kit whereas in a state agency 
I, I didn't really see it as there wasn't any cold calling because the only way I rang people was they contacted us originally about a property. So even if it was several years before, that's not actually a cold call because they've come to you about property. And then fast forward to setting up my business several months ago, again, massive, massive imposter syndrome. Hang on a minute. I've never had a business before. Where you know, what the bloody hell am I gonna do? So yeah, yeah, I I I completely agree with you there. But I think that yeah, without that imposter syndrome, you you're never gonna push forward, are you? Absolutely. And um I think that yeah, it, I, I kind of go back a few years and working in agency. So I've been an agency 12 years, I think, and um, maybe five years ago, six, six years ago, I definitely, without even knowing it, was living and operating and working within my comfort zone. And I was not pushing myself into new experiences, new opportunities. Um, and I got stuck in a bit of a rut, if I'm honest. Um, and since then, I've proactively sought out opportunities to uh, meet new people, seek new ideas, uh, take on new advice, uh, look out, outside of my own sort of company and my own colleagues. Nothing against them. They're great. But, you know, get other people as sounding boards and say yes to things. And um, it's probably heightened my imposter syndrome, but it's also um increase the amount of um you know how, how rewarding i find my work and um the amount of, of enjoyment i get from it day to day so yeah i definitely think that if you can um you need to try and embrace imposter syndrome and uh and, and own it um and, and channel it into something good i absolutely love that and yeah i wasn't expecting the podcast to start in this sorry <laughs> oh, no, please don't apologize making my life easier um, but I think it's it's gone in a really nice direction. Actually, it segues nicely into a couple of bits I wanted to to discuss with you because you said about like being in a bit of a rut and then looking externally from the for, the falls of the business you're in. And I was looking on LinkedIn before before we um we uh, we jumped on, and I think we only connected on LinkedIn a few months ago, and I I'd never heard of you or come across you and then i had megan 18 raving about you and then i'd seen harry truman raving about you so it's like who is this guy so i've got to check him out <laughs> and then and then i'm so 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 for me naively i i've only come across you in the past few months but yeah. how long have you had you been working behind the scenes or that imposter syndrome or in that rut before then people are starting to to recognize you I think I think that encapsulates it really nicely because I'm not I'm not so uh, kind of up myself to assume <laughs> that yeah everyone who matters within agency will know who I am and in fact quite the opposite and um, I I owe a lot of uh, the work that I've done over the past couple of years because yeah I've, I've made a real effort to get myself out there expand my network professionally um, which has had the byproduct of expanding my network socially because a lot of those people who I knew professionally have become friends. Um, and um, it really is by extending my network, getting to know people all over the country, uh, running businesses, uh, self-employed, working for other people, um, that I've kind of really, um, it's helped to increase my profile within the industry. I'm still, I'm still a, a very small fish. And I'm quite happy with that, but it feels exciting to, um, to, to be doing something to, 
put yourself out there to enhance your reputation because ultimately um i think that if if all you do is go, for me personally if all i do is go to work sit down answer my emails and go home at the end of the day i did that for many many years and i didn't find fulfillment in it not long term gratification and so for some people like me you need a little bit more than that you need to feel like you're going somewhere and i'm not a um i'm not a serial careerist i i, I haven't ever sort of hopped from job to job um and if i'm happy in a role it's I, i'm kind of i'm a bit of a lifer you know i i kind of assume actually this is probably me uh done for a long time now i'm happy here so I think when you build those connections within your workplace, I think in order to try and avoid going stale or, or um, you know, some ennui creeping into your day-to-day -day life, um, you need those external influences and interests. And for me, that's come through, yeah, really building my network and getting to, to know some fantastic people in the industry who have become real champions for me. And um, so, Yes, some of my own work has helped to to raise my profile, but also getting to know people who are just fantastic champions within the industry who will really go out to bat for you and, and help to get your name out there has meant an awful lot to me. Uh, and it, it's really increased my confidence, my knowledge, um, and just my, my desire to sort of keep going further and further within the industry and get to know more people and, and you know, see who I'm going to meet next. Um, so I really can't um, stress enough how much it's meant to me to um, to extend my network and to get to know. You never know who you're going to meet if you keep getting out there to events, to conferences, um, and and properly. You know, can call it. Net I was always a little bit deterred by the phrase networking. Uh, as it sounds a little bit formal and kind of business cards in a bowl kind of thing. Um, but but it's just getting to know people and, and you do meet some astonishing people in this industry um, and, and your life is richer for it. You know, um, and I've I've said this countless times on this podcast, but that last bit you were saying that if I hadn't have seeked coaching outside the four walls of the business I was in, I, I don't think I'd be doing what I am doing today. I wouldn't be doing this podcast. I wouldn't have my own business. And like, I am the happiest I've ever been in my career uh, mm -hmm. at, at this point. And it wouldn't have happened if I'd stayed within the four walls of, of the business I was in. So I completely get where, where you're coming from on that. Um, just the last bit on uh, sort of career there before we move on to a slightly different subject. Arla Property Mark. Um, I'm, I'm a bit sort of... Uh, naive to it here but you're obviously a big supporter and an advocate of it so for anyone listening who isn't familiar or is perhaps interested like talk, talk to me about kind of yeah. what that's done for you and what you get out of it yeah property markers uh, it ties into what we've just been discussing um a great deal but there's more to it than that so um i um years and years ago now probably about seven eight years ago decided that um what i really needed to do to it was probably around that time when i was stuck in a bit of a rut and i was thinking okay well where do i go from here um so at that point i did my qualifications, um, which on its own was a really informative experience. And, you know, lettings, I only do lettings. I don't do sales. And lettings is such a dense 
subject matter in terms of legislation and you know it, it yeah it's it's dry and it's very factual and um once you actually really know your stuff you you i got the other side of those qualifications i thought bloody hell i i feel like an expert now i actually know what i'm talking about i'm not just making stuff up on the fly um and um so obviously then i then became a member of property mark and for a few years that was it and i thought okay well you know i've got the letters after my name i've got the um the property mark badge on the website and you know that's 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 what property mark membership is isn't it um, and then I started to forge these connections and, and meet people at events and really get to know the likes of the people who you've mentioned, uh, you know, Megan 18, Harry Truman, to name just a couple. Um, and it was actually Harry Truman who um, approached me and encouraged me to, um, to apply for one of the regional executive roles within Property Mark that she was giving up because she was moving onwards and upwards to presidential things. Um, and I allowed myself to be talked into it, applied for it. And, uh, and so I now have that role. And again, that's just led me to become even more embedded within Property Mark. And what I would say is fantastic about that and why I would encourage agents to do it is because, so firstly, everything that I was just rattling on about, about expanding your social network, getting to know people, sounding boards, using people for inspiration, my network is very property mark dominated. And if like me, you think, well, that sounds like a great idea, but I, I can't just walk into another letting agent's office and say, hi, I'm looking for friends. Like, can we chat, can we text? Um, then Property Mark is great for uh, meeting other members and then you, you end up finding people who you really click with and then you get into WhatsApp groups and then your phone never stops lighting up. Um, there's also the other aspects of Property Mark, which are, you know, legal updates, um, fact sheets, just helping you to be more self-assured in your knowledge within the industry. Um, but for me, the main the main thing is the um, the the networking, the opportunities to um, to to do that side of things. And actually, one thing I haven't touched on is that before I got involved myself within Property Mark, I did sign up for um, they run something called Property Mark Inspire, which are basically it's a bit like mentoring sessions, um, but on on a within a group. Um, and I've been doing that for several years now, and there's about fifteen of us. And we're quite fortunate in that when we started doing that, we were doing sessions that were being run by a then industry trainer called Nathan Emerson. Um, and a couple of years into those sessions, he said, actually, you know, I'm now the CEO of Property Mark. And that became quite a fortunate connection that I made there. So Nathan is still, um, he still leads our sessions. And I'm really lucky that I get that kind of guidance from him. And obviously that has only you know, developed my connections within Property Mark. So um, yeah, it, the whole from the moment I joined Property Mark onwards, from that point onwards, that only served to increase my self confidence, my network, and without that, I don't know how I would have found the framework within which to do that. Yeah, I, lo I love that. Again, it's I can't remember what the what the cliche is, but it's that whole thing of you know trying to do something alone or or doing it together. Um, and I wish I had reached out sooner than I had to external. Mm -hmm sort of voices and sources um and it's again that classic line of i wish i knew then what i know now yeah yeah so 
Right, moving on to something slightly different. Uh, the reason uh, I messaged you to uh, come on the podcast was you'd kindly put a post out um, and remind me, it's like a, what you're listening to, what you're reading and... Yeah. I'm, I'm, a, to follow, I'm a big sharer. So occasionally I just put out there, you know, this is what I'm currently consuming. And it's normally like watching, listening, reading and following. Um, and I, I try and invite people to send me their recommendations because I'm, I'm on a bit, I'm a really late developer to like, um, I'm a big reader, but I've never come near business books until quite recently. Same with podcasts. And now I'm like trying to binge because I'm really into it and I see the value in it. So yeah, I try and get people to give me their recommendations as well as sharing my own. Hey, um, off off the cuff then, uh, right now, rec recommend me some something else sort of to watch or listen to a book and then someone. Um, so like I said, because I'm quite a latecomer, I highly doubt I've got anything particularly, you know, I'm probably covering the core texts right now. Um, so the the book that I read that really sung to me, especially tying in with a lot of what I do in terms of videos and, and our kind of marketing side of things um, was They Ask You Answer by Marcus Sheridan. Um, which is like my Bible. Um, and it made me want to tear up everything that we do with our business and just like plan it again from scratch along those lines. It's uh, all concerning content marketing and um, you know, how to build trust um, with an online audience and, and how to win clients uh, through the, you know, the posts that you write, the videos you record, um and everything that you publish and it is just i i read every single page of it and just thought oh my god that's yeah of course of course you'd do that um and that book is just one that i keep going back to and yeah i'm trying to do it backwards i wish i'd read that book and then planned a business and now i'm kind of trying to like retrofit it to to our business which is quite hard work because it's like the whole thing is a philosophy. It's a marketing philosophy that I want to buy into from start to finish. So that that book is an absolute Bible to me. Um, and to pair the two together, um, there's a podcast called But We're Different, which is Marcus Sheridan. Um, he's the author. His company um, is, um, that's the, the podcast that they do, uh, which is along very similar lines um, and, yeah that kind of content but if you prefer listening rather than reading then um that's um that's a podcast for you um one other um book that i would definitely go for is um again probably quite a core text but the one thing by gary keller um which i yeah it really fed into where i was at the time but um the the thing that i keep coming back to from that was the chapter on work life balance and it really um it really altered my perspective on that whole issue which i think was probably one i've been struggling with at the time um and to try and summarize it in a nutshell um, it's to do with embracing imbalance, trying to recognize that actually work-life balance doesn't exist um, and accepting that sometimes you will um, 
tip out of balance and that what really matters is counterbalance and that sometimes you need to devote everything to your work and you know so that that means that uh, your kind of your family life will become imbalanced but then devoting the same amount of attention back to your family when you can to restore that equilibrium um and that was really eye-opening and made me feel much more at peace with the whole notion of um kind of sometimes feeling a little bit out of control when I'm really kind of focusing on one thing. Um, so yeah, th those would be what I, um, oh, and one, uh, I did a little bit of prep because I have listened to to, to your podcast before, but um, I, I thought I'd make the point that I'm, I'm guessing that if you're listening to Opening the Gates for more listings, then you're probably quite a, a focused, driven business-minded individual and mind. and actually um yeah i think it's healthy to look beyond uh business podcast as well and um so you know especially when i'm trying to switch off um listening to um sort of comedy podcasts things like that and the one i thought i'd mentioned because i think you know that there are tie-ins with business is one called Griefcast, uh which is promoted uh, presented by a comedian called Cariad lloyd um, which is all about death, and um, but you know they deal with it with humour, with compassion, with empathy, and those are all traits that you know we try to promote in ourselves because that's what helps you build connections with other people. So sometimes I think it is healthy to dip back out of the sort of success business podcasts and back into what makes us human. Yeah, I I, I completely agree with that. I think Magnolia uh, Dean is definitely the podcast. Like if she was meeting. On the way, it's like listen to something that's perhaps going to get you up and going for the day, business related, personal development, etc. But she said on the way home, it's music. I'm switching off. I'm like getting into relaxed mode of, of that. So I completely agree with you on that. Um, just to re return the favor on a bit of what you said, I think with Marcus Sheridan, I'm pretty convinced he's got an, an email that I subscribe to. Um, yes. And, and he's really, so he practices what he preaches because, yeah, exactly. you know, his whole ethos is to, um, is to, in terms of your online content, provide the kind of content that people are genuinely interested in and to, to make it as accessible as possible. And you're right, he's got an email um, that you can subscribe to. He's really good on LinkedIn. He's got the podcast. He's got a virtual learning environment you can sign up to for free if you want to do a marketing course uh but the email is really good yeah is that not just everything you've just reeled off uh about him book podcast linkedin free content email newsletter it's such a prime example of whether you are a state agent or a letting agent like yeah. you put all your eggs in one basket and again if you I'm, I'm sure you're a prime example but you might do some video content um and it's I don't know, an update, I've, I'm, I'm not great on lettings legislation, but I saw an industry press about uh, an, another how to rank guide coming out soon or, or whatever. And it's like, well, hey, I'm sure Toby will do a video on that. And that could go on Facebook, it could be on Instagram, yeah. it could be a blog on the website, it could be in a newsletter. Like, there's so many different ways that content could be used. And I think a lot of agents don't realise that one thing you do can be repurposed so many different times. And I can't remember the exact stat. I was having this conversation with, with someone on the phone earlier today where when you post something on social media, like 10% of your audience is going to see that. Yeah, so there's nothing absolutely. wrong with just keep 
posting the same stuff in slightly different ways because most yeah. people see it. One of the guys who's been really helpful um, in terms of giving his time to me is Chris England, all-round video guru. Um, and I had a sit-down chat with him a few months ago. And one of the things I was struggling with at that time was to devoting the time towards churning out enough content to keep because i know the importance that it has to be regular um and you know you've got to be consistent um and i was like jesus christ i'm, I'm like recording videos most days here and, and hardly keeping up with it um and he was like you know you, you've got to be better at repurposing your content and, and you know he said exactly what you did about a tiny fraction of your audience seeing each post that you do and I, I it made me realize how wasteful I was being that I was devoting a lot of time to producing um, really good videos um, but then I was putting it out there once um, which essentially means that it's then gone and you know you can reclip your videos you can sort of snip them up so they're shorter segments um, you can just repost the same video uh, a few months later if it's still relevant. And yeah, when you're devoting time to creating content, you really want to make sure that you're squeezing every last uh, drop out of that uh, to make the most of your own time. And you're absolutely right. Um, and it's probably still something that I'm not that good at because I still quite enjoy the process, the creation process. So I keep making new stuff as opposed to going back and reusing my old stuff, because there's also a little tiny voice inside my head that still says to me that it's cheating to go back and use your old material uh, and that you should keep evolving and, and being fresh. But you're right. 90 percent of the people won't see it as an old video. They'll see it as a, a new video. So it is wasteful not to repurpose your content in that way. Fascinating on, on uh, something you said there about the creation side of it and i've definitely had this with with several agents there's one i can think of um where they'll be coming to me for new ideas mm. i'm like well where have your last three instructions come from this is on the sales side and it's like what have been on behalf of buyer campaigns i'm like okay and talk to me about these on behalf of buyer campaigns well i put posts on linkedin facebook instagram saying we've got a guy called toby looking to relocate to milton Keynes. this is what he's after can anyone help We've done, and then we did a direct mail campaign. And yeah, once the letters work, once the socials work, do that. And it's like, and are you are you continuing to do that? No, I'm not. What else have you got? Why would you not? We can look at yeah. new stuff, but you're saying this works. Keep rinsing and repeating it. And they're like, well, what if I'm getting boring? And it's like, it's if you, if you're showing up in consistency, you're not yeah. bullshitting them. They're perhaps going to go, this guy's serious. And if you start saying other people have responded and are now moved you might be the next person yeah oh you want it to become a process really yeah. you, you obviously you don't want it to become stale and, and and old but i think you've got to bear in mind that your online audience is always or audience generally speaking is always evolving and you know dealing in property we're always dealing with people whose lives are in movement you know, people who are moving in, moving out, selling, buying. And so the, the chances are that, you know, it's the whole thing about standing in a, in a river. I can't remember the exact wording, but the stream's always moving. And um, the, the chances are that the people who you're targeting your content towards today are not the same people who you were um, trying to target six months ago, because those people have moved. Um, and, and yeah, if it starts to feel old to you, 
um, then that's another thing. And, and that's like a job satisfaction thing. But as far as your online audience are concerned, then, you know, I've been churning out the same stuff for, for months now, years. And I still get fresh comments of people saying, you know, like, I really love that thing that you do. And I've been doing it for six months. But, you know, every video is different, even if it's got a similar format to it. Um, and yeah, I think that you, if you find a formula that's getting you results, then don't deviate from it. If it stops giving you results, then you've got to rethink the wheel. But there's no point in doing that if it's working for you. Absolutely. Just on the uh, on video, how long have you been doing video now? Um, probably about five years. Um, so that all began when I, I actually i was on a uh, a training course one of the property mark ones and uh, chris england was a guest speaker there um and he gave a you know a brief presentation about why you should, you know, how you can do it um and you know we all went away from that session and gave it a go i was shocking um and you know i i looked i tried recently to find my earliest video and and it was not pretty. Um, and but I I I don't know why I, I kept going, and I think it's because fairly on fairly early on, I started to get comments on it, and you know that feels nice. So I kept doing it. Um, and and that's the thing when you put yourself out on video, you do get a big response from it um, because there's still not a huge amount of people who do it. So you don't even have to be the best in the world at it and you still get a great response because it's a point of difference between you and a lot of other people. Um, so yeah, I kept doing it and um, it's one of those things that it sounds obvious, but the more you do it, the better you are at it. And um, I, I was talking to some people about doing video recently and they all felt the same way, which was we kind of get the benefits of doing it um, but it's not for me. Um, and I, I don't know why I've become like this champion for video because like part of me should be, don't do video, leave it all to me. I want to be the video guy, but actually you find something that, that really works and, and I want to share it. And, and I'm, I'm always saying to other people, yeah, you should really do this. And, um, I think you love a stat. So I've got two stats on videos that I really love. Um, which are... <laughs> so stat number one is um, Cisco, massive organization. I have no idea what they do, but they're massive. Did a big piece of research. Um, and they said that in uh, 2022, last year, 82% um, of global internet traffic was um, watching video. Streaming and watching video, 82% of all video, uh, of all internet traffic was people watching videos. Um, and then the stat that I always like to pair with that is another, um, uh, I think, um, again, in America, but I don't see why it's not universal, uh, like a, a big think tank over there did a big piece of research and they concluded that in this sort of online day and age, 80% uh, of the customer's buying journey is completed online before they even make contact with the company in question. So everyone these days, they want to make sure they're making an informed 
correct decision when they're spending their money. So we all do it. We go and we research a company, we look up reviews, we see what we can find out about them. So what that means for us as agents is that when you go and knock on a, a potential client's door, they've already made 80% of their decision before meeting you. And they've been doing that on the internet. And we all know that 82% of internet traffic is people watching videos. So if you're not putting videos of yourself out there, you're missing out on a fantastic opportunity to share who you are, to start to build trust with people before you've even met them. So it just makes sense to me to do it. Um, and I, I, I would really encourage all agents to just stick themselves out there, get used to being on camera, accept the fact that to begin with, you will feel like you're crap at it. To begin with, you might even be crap at it, but if you keep <laughs> doing it, then you will get far, far better. But it's just, it doesn't make sense to me. We all spend money on marketing, on uh, you know paid advertising, on written content. Yet there's this free thing that we could all be doing. It doesn't cost a, a penny to stick a video of yourself online. Um, so yeah, I really embraced it and now I love doing it. And it, it, it definitely yields results. Hey. My girlfriend knows that I'm. I love my like quotes and my stats and, and all that. And uh, she she sent me something yesterday, and it's like a it's a billboard poster uh, on a uh, building wall, uh, like a tweet. I don't know if it's a genuine thing or not. Um, and I was going to share it on socials, uh, and I will do it at some point. But I just read it out to you because mm -hmm. um, I think it it very much resonates with uh, with what you said. So embarrassment is the cost of entry if you aren't willing to look like a foolish beginner you'll never become a graceful master yeah that's fantastic that, that's true. it in a nutshell if if you're not willing to embrace that feeling of embarrassment then you won't do anything new and and i get it like sticking it people hate seeing themselves on camera they hate listening to themselves on camera it, it, it's one of the most difficult things to do but you just got to throw yourself into it. And do you know what? I was in this room of agents the, um, last week and I made them all record a video. That's and at the end of it, they all said, actually, that wasn't so bad. And it's like the, the, the anticipation of it is so much worse than the doing of it. Um, so yeah, just jump in. Just like, yeah, give it a go. The last, the last bit on, on, on video, but I just want to, to run through because I think you've, you've summarised that fantastically. But over the last five years, surely there must have been times where you went, I've lost motivation for this, or is it worth it? Because you're, you're not getting the likes, comments, or you're getting the odd comment from some you know, troll or something. So what's that been like? Yeah, I have to um, say that at times I've had to work quite hard to to defend it as a marketing strategy within my company um, because yeah, it, it's quite a, a big thing to do to put yourself out there. And our company is always operating in quite a safe conservative way. And so suddenly to start sticking these videos out on the internet, some of which are very serious, some of which are a bit silly. Um, I always try and inject some personality into them. So I, I don't want them to be too mundane so that, you know, they're a real departure from the kind of stuff that we used to do as a business. So at times I have had to defend, you know, and, and actually say, yes, I do think that I should continue to do these. And it's always been that 
I think that I have I have consistently um, received good feedback from them, and part of that will, will just be fueling my ego and and me going, do you know what? Actually, I like this as an outlet for me personally to stick stuff online and have people say nice things about it. Um, so part of that is just me having it as something that I enjoy doing full stop. But obviously there has to be uh, a business reason for doing it. And very early on, I got into the habit of um, routinely emailing out monthly market update videos to our existing clients. Um, so every month, I just, in the same vein that some people might send out newsletters, I just send an email with a thumbnail saying, click here to, to the response we got from our, our existing clients was really strong. And um, it was disproportionate to the response we got from written newsletters. Um, every, probably about 80% of the replies that I got to that mention the word video they'd say thanks for sending the video i love that you send us a video or you know video is such a great format to do to do this they would really make an effort to explain how much they were loving these videos it wasn't just thanks for sending that it went beyond that um they even became quite informal and chatty i think because you put yourself out there on a personal level it means that people feel that they can uh, reply on quite a personal level. So I got people saying, you know, oh, great video. Thanks, Toby. What's next? Home's under the hammer. Um, one person replied and said, has anyone ever told you you sound like Darren Brown? I was like, this is not the kind of correspondence I'm accustomed to receiving from my clients. So it really helped my cause that early on, I, I had tangible proof that there was a good reason to do this, even if that was only strengthening client retention rather than winning new business. Um, so yeah, it, it's something that there have been lulls and sometimes it feels like you're posting out into the void, but there was always a good response to a video just around the corner. So one thing I wanted to ask you about, and you mentioned the word uh, speaking about video and you said reviews. So as a business, I looked before jumping on this podcast because you said you did a you like to do a bit of prep, as as do I, just a little bit. 230 uh Google reviews at an average rating of 4.9 stars. That's pretty damn good going for someone who only does I say only, but is a lettings-based business yeah. because imagine a lot of negative the business I worked in, a lot of <laughs> if there was any negative reviews, they were from the letting side of it. And I'm like, that wasn't even me. Like, that had nothing <laughs> to me. It's like a, a, a tenant and landlord about a, a deposit or something. So, like, yeah. talk us about the importance of reviews and, and how you've managed to get such great results there with that. Yeah, it hasn't happened by accident. That's part of that. That's the result of a real conscious push um to increase our google reviews um and in all honesty i'd love to take all the credit for it but again it was the result of a property market training session and that was one that nathan uh, led us on and gave us a really kind of um a real insight into the psychology of uh, reviewers um we implemented that strategy and it really does work and it's not rocket science it's all to do with um being consistent in asking for reviews and doing it 
Um, you know, if you think of a client's journey as a line graph of emotions, you know, so there'll be a drop off in their emotion at the disappointment of having an offer rejected. There'll be peaks at having an offer accepted, being given keys, maybe a client seeing the lovely photos that you've just taken of their house for the first time. Um, and, and, you know, those are the it's at the peaks where you take the opportunity to ask for a review. It doesn't have to be at the end of the whole process. A lot of people just ask for reviews once business is concluded. Um, you can ask for that review at any point during the journey if you hit them at the right time. So we got accustomed to that um, to, to that approach, and it really does work. We get the, the reviews that I love receiving the most, and we've had a couple recently, are the ones who aren't your clients at all. Um, they're the ones who um, a member of the team's taken them out, done a viewing with them. It wasn't the right property for them, but they got on so well that they came back to the office and thought, you know, I'm going to ask them for a review just because we really connected. I gave them some good advice and they went away happy. And, you know, it's at the happy part of the client journey when we ask for a review. So why not try it? They're not going to leave us a bad review. Um, so, you know, we, we we don't spam people with with requests. We we select the opportune moments to do so, um, and and we make sure that we are consistently doing it. Um, and you know, we pick Google because I think that most people, when they're researching a company, will start off by googling you. Uh, obviously, there are different review platforms like Trustpilot or or whatever, but. To me, it makes sense to try and channel your reviews onto Google because that is where the majority of client journeys begin. Really, really sound advice there. Um, so the, just before we get to the end now, um, something that I, I thought of as you were talking there was you mentioned again a training course for Property Mark when it came to reviews. You mentioned Property Mark training course when it came to video. So there's a common theme here about yeah. you doing training, uh, but and then also taking action. So the, the one piece of advice I'm looking for here for anyone listening is there'll be agents listening who are very good at turning up and listening. They're very good at going to training, not so good at implementing. So how, yeah. how, how do you keep yourself accountable? How have you actioned those things? So... And I can, I've been there myself. And what a lot of people will do is they'll go on training courses and they'll sit there with pen and paper and you write everything down. So the moment that the, um, that the trainer starts speaking, you just start writing down all of the information that they're saying. And you go home with five A4 sheets of paper, which are not actionable uh, ideas. It's just an inventory of what was said on the day which you then file away and you never look at ever again. Um, so th the only advice I can give is to write as little as possible on the day. And what you do write down should be, like you said, actionable um, ideas. And, and it doesn't matter if you come away with one thing, because ultimately if, if, you, if you write a list of 10 things that you're gonna go away and do, you're, you're not gonna do all 10 things. Uh, and actually, when you open up your notebook and you see a list of 10 things, you might even be put off starting that list altogether. So come away with one, two, three key um, actions and, yeah, set set a target for yourself. If you use, like I use um, Asana, 
to set myself tasks. And obviously that then pops up and gives you a reminder, you know, on the on the due dates and you can see it coming up a week off and it'll say, you know, you've got this task is due in a week. Um, so that reminds me um, that, that, that I've got to do that and, and do it. Do it by the date you set you you set the task for. But yeah, just just a handful of realistic targets rather than just brain dumping on a piece of paper. Love that. And on the on the, on the training and video and stuff, like a lot of agents will say, I don't have time for that. It's very busy on the front line doing XYZ. So how are you finding the time to do training, implement it, do video, put it out. You're like a ghost from my past, Simon. It's like these are, <laughs> these are all of the mental conversations I've had with myself over the years because, yeah, I, I never had time. Um, but you, you, have to, you have to make time because um, I've been in that position all too frequently where you allow the job you allow Microsoft Outlook to dictate to you. And it's like, unless you get down to zero emails, I'm not going anywhere. And then it's 5.30 and, and you start again the next day. So I'll bring it back to what I was saying about Gary Keller, that book, The One Thing, and coming to terms, making peace with the idea of an imbalance in your work life, um, allowing, 20, 30 unread emails to sit in your inbox for a day while you invest in yourself and your, your business as well by, by yet yeah, taking yourself out of that comfort zone, out of the bubble of your office and uh, generating fresh ideas that ultimately will benefit you in the long run. Um, going on any training course, and, and there are some fantastic courses out there, um, not just Property Mark, you, you know, Every day, almost now on LinkedIn, I see people kind of promoting new courses and I wish I could go on them all. But uh, th there are some fantastic opportunities and, and there's no way that anyone out there would not benefit from investing more time in developing themselves professionally. Um, and and it, it, yeah, it's making peace with imbalance. You can catch up. It, it will be fine. Uh, we we live in such an instant age now. You think, oh my God, I haven't replied to that landlord in five hours and they're going to be, well, let them beat down your door. That's fine. If it's 48 hours, then they'll survive. And ultimately, when you reply to their, their email, you'll say, I'm really sorry I didn't reply to you sooner. I was actually on a really interesting course, which actually we're going to implement some improvements in the business and you'll benefit from. And, and that then looks really good. Um, so yeah, you, you've just got to come, you've got to make peace with that idea of, of of letting go of control yeah love that and that ties in nicely with what we were discussing uh before we hit record again of you said oh did i have a nice holiday and i was yeah. like well I, I didn't do any work for for 10 nights and and i switched off completely um and actually it allowed me space to read quite a few books listen to podcasts and some people might go well that's work isn't it no actually it's an in i enjoy it's like a hobby listening to podcasts and reading the books and reading those books or listening to podcasts with the sun shining is a lot different to visible yeah. uh, back here. So before I jump into the last question, you said you've listened to uh, the podcast for and you've done a bit of preparation. Is there any questions you thought I was going to ask or you were hoping that I was going to ask? I thought you were going to ask me what I'd do if I moved to Newport Pagnell. So funny you say that. 
So I'm going to part that to one side. Yeah. You said lettings, not sales. So before we go on to the final question, what is what is one piece of advice then if you to to try and generate more landlord opportunities? Because that is the golden like yep. treasure chest, isn't it? Agents go, I want more landlords, it's impossible. So what's one yeah. tip? Okay, one thing I haven't touched on, which I've got really um, invested into lately and I love doing is um, live landlord events, uh, conferences. Um, and again, I think it's a real untapped opportunity. Again, you've got to be comfortable with putting yourself out there, standing in front of a room of people. Uh, but ultimately, if you can stand in front of one landlord and talk about your market, then you can stand in front of 50 landlords and talk about your market. Um, so we now, I now run quarterly uh, landlord events in Bath and they're doing great. We, we At the moment, we do it in a room uh, with a capacity of about 50 and last time around, we we hit that capacity. So uh, I'm doing one more, hopefully with like a big full room, and then we might try a slightly bigger um, venue. And probably 75% of the people who come are not my clients. Um, so you couldn't ask for more. You're standing in front of a room full of landlords. We spend so much of our time trying to think of how to get in front of one landlord. Um, and you're standing in front of a room full of landlords with an opportunity to display your knowledge and sell your business. Um, and it's not an instant success. You'll, you'll be doing incredibly well if you come away from one conference with landlords you know, signing up. Um, but you get people coming back and it is a, um, you know, a, a process of winning over their confidence um, displaying over a period of time that they can trust you that you're not always hitting them with a hard sell at every event because that really deters people they don't like feeling like they're being sold to but you can show how knowledgeable you are how on it um you know i like to bang on about property mark and how i was you know in a um in a briefing with a um government representative last week and getting all the latest updates on the renters reform bill and that looks really good um so yeah, landlord conferences, run them cheap or for free. So you get lots of people in uh, because ultimately that's an investment just as marketing would be. Um, so, and then once you start to get a bit of a reputation, you can up the cost. So you cover your own costs. Uh, but that's really, for me, that that's been really exciting. We've done four now um, and got another one coming up in a few weeks time. Um, and it also helps to extend your network locally, not just with landlords, but you get in other speakers from, you know, mortgage companies or solicitors uh, and, and you genuinely learn stuff as well from them. So, um, I, yeah, that's the one thing, again, that I would really urge people to look at. Brilliant. I think that's absolutely, absolutely golden advice. I know there's other agents who do this with landlord events and they've said similar as, the, the majority of people there and not their clients so it's like brilliant you do you, you do all this work to try and get in front of landlords and you're doing something like that and again on the conference side of things i think it's so easy of a conference to give out loads of value but everyone knows that at the end they're going to go and this is what we're going to sell you so if you can yeah. if they walk away going wait what we, toby didn't sell us anything he was just <laughs> genuinely being helpful and didn't expect anything in return yeah. they're going to come back I always, um, I always do a, have a joke with, with them at the start of a conference where I say, you know, look, I'm going to allow my, myself to mention my company one time. Here it comes. 
I'm Toby. I run Reside. We're really good. That's our team at the back. That's so. That's done now. But let's move on. Let's all learn something. But you know, obviously, some of the slides have my logo on and stuff like that. It's all insidiously being snuck in there. But it's um, yeah. People don't like feeling like they're being sold to, so don't overdo that. Perfect. Right. Last question. Uh, I don't know if you've been listening to the more recent episodes of the podcast where I have completely ripped off Stephen Bartlett and the Diary of CEO with his conversation cards. Uh, yep. For anyone listening, uh, if you've not already read his new book, it's fantastic. I read it on holiday and I read it front to back very quickly. Um, but right, question, answer. Uh... Oh, that's a good one. Oh, Christ. Um I think I think the answer, Tim Grover, if I'm not mistaken, he was like Michael Jordan's coach or something. I might have got that terribly wrong. But I remember, I think, if it is who I think it is. I don't have much in common with Michael Jordan, so I hope that doesn't matter. <laughs> That's fine. So before I ask the question, I'm sure it was on the Stephen Bartlett podcast, so it might be in high performance or, or something else. But I think Michael Jordan was playing a game uh, and he would go around the court, and this is away from like Chicago, and go around the court bouncing the ball. And he got on one spot, and I think it said to Tim Grover, he's like, that spot there, I'm I'm focusing remembering that because the ball doesn't bounce quite as hard in that one spot. I saw that, yeah. Yeah. So that's that's my kind of like one percent gains. Anyway, uh back to the question. So the question was, what is one mistake that you've made? that you've been scared to address or reconcile? What is one mistake I've made that I've been scared to address? Hmm. Okay. That is a very challenging question because there's so many mistakes to choose from. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So, I... Six months ago, seven months ago, started mentoring. Not mentoring. I was the mentee. I got myself a mentor. Um, Wish I'd done it years ago. Um, Again, ties into everything we've been talking about in terms of having a network and, um, you know, a a team. Um, The main thing that that mentor has done for me over the last six months and the thing he's drilled away at with me is... um, Every single session normally finishes with him quite exasperated, saying to me, Toby, know your worth. And the mistake I've made for years is um, being afraid of success in a way, being afraid to be confident in myself, being afraid to um, acknowledge that I'm good at what I do um, and mistaking that for arrogance, uh, which I I never want to be seen as being arrogant. But um, I have spent a long time thinking that, you know, uh, I'm not really worth putting myself out there. I'm not really someone who should big up myself. And, um, and so I, I wait for opportunities to fall into my lap. I wait to be asked to do stuff. I don't put myself up for things. I don't volunteer. I wait for someone to say, oh, Toby, you should do this. And then my response is, well, if you really think I'm good enough. 
Um, so the mistake that I made was perceiving it as arrogance to say that you're good at what you do. Um, and knowing that it's okay to believe in yourself and for other people to know that you believe in yourself. It's not a dirty secret that you have to keep to yourself. You know, I, I'd always go around and go like, you know, someone say, great video, Toby. And I'd be like, oh, thanks, but, you know, you're just saying that. And, you know, these days, if someone says, great video, Toby, I'll be like, yeah, thanks. <laughs> I, I really like that one too. And yeah, it's not just about videos. It's, it's about the work that we do generally. And it, it, it's it's owning the fact that actually you work bloody hard and you're really good at what you do. And getting up in the morning and saying that to myself and really believing that if I convey that to other people, they're not going to perceive me as an arrogant prick. They're going to go, actually, no, he is. Because I am. <laughs> um, so, yeah, that, that, that's it, I think. It, it, is, it ties into self-belief, but it's also that perception of um, self-confidence versus arrogance and being able to promote yourself in a way that actually is acceptable to others and it being absolutely okay to go hey I'm really good at what I do and, I, and you are too <laughs> I, lo I love that uh, that re really struck a chord with me and thank you for being so so open and honest with that as well I always file feel slightly nervous uh with those cards because you just never know like, yeah. what questions going to come out and they can be deep but I've really really like really appreciated how um vulnerable and like open people have been with with their answers and they've gone yeah let's do it so we obviously said before we start and I say this to every guest so anyone listening who hasn't been a guest I say to each guest is there anything we can't discuss and as I said to you 99% yeah. of people and Toby was in that 99% have said well, you can ask me what you want and and, and 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 I have done that so uh, I think it's a great place to end um for everyone listening uh but stay to the end thank you very much please do review like subscribe follow share all that jazz reach out to Toby because he won't reach out to you as he just said um <laughs> to have a chat with him um but that just leaves me with one last uh, final point and that's to say thank you very much Toby for being an amazing guest I really appreciate it it's been an enormous pleasure thanks Simon